Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode, we're going to discuss the sound of Supergirl for season four. We did a episode based on the season three song choices and use of score instrumental music. We thought we'd do a reprise to uh, make a musical joke there Mm -hmm. of our examination of how they used soundtrack and score choices to support the story or move the story along, say something about characters, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Yes. And I thought a good place to start would be with one of the new characters, Nia Nall, aka Dreamer. She got her own theme, which you can hear in various dream sequences that she has, which is a nice addition and something to sort of keep track of to see if there are any recurring themes or meta concepts that are associated with it. But a song with words that they used for Nia was American Woman in American Dreamer when Nia was fighting Children of Liberty. And the song just is interesting because of, you know, obviously the phrase American Woman. And through Nia, the use of the song sort of refutes the idea that trans women aren't women. And also the idea that like immigrants or children of immigrants, people of color and people in ethnic minority groups aren't really Americans. Like if you think about the sentiment of like go back to where you came from when people refer to people of color or immigrants generally. For example, Trump obviously said this to three American congresswomen recently, two of whom were born in the US and all of whom are Americans. So the use of this song choice emphasizes that Nia, as a dreamer citizen, a child of an immigrant, is very definitely an American woman. And it's just kind of a fun celebration of her American and female identity. Well, and it's also just such a kind of... I don't want to say a playful song, but it does kind of suit like Nia's energy as a yeah, character. It does. In the sense that it's kind of this like badass moment song. Mm. And it's a point where she is stepping in as this direct threatening presence in the (laughs) eyes of Ben Lockwood and the Children of Liberty. And so Mm -hmm. that was very cool for her. Yeah, she's literally fighting against people who believe the concept that immigrants don't belong in America while the song sort of backs her up. Yeah. So it was nice. It was. Although that moment also did kind of make me miss something that happened a lot in season one, which was the show paid a lot of attention to detail when it came to representing women with the soundtrack choices and vocal music. Mm -hmm. And not only in terms of choosing songs that were created or sung by women when they were featuring scenes of female characters, but also choosing maybe songs that were recovered by women. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a decision-making detail that's been dropped a lot as the show has progressed. And for a moment like this, where you're having a character have this really powerful moment, that would have added something really cool to it Mm -hmm. in another way, in another layer of it, as opposed to having the message, this is a woman coming from a dude. Mm -hmm. And I think in some senses it was more noticeable this year because there were just so many prominent male storylines this year, kind of disproportionately so, that Mm -hmm. it stood out a bit more because you had a lot more songs also then supporting those characters and those stories as well. Yeah, And that's even kind of worth bringing up with some of the instrumental choices that they made that weren't like part of the actual Neely score. They used several different pieces from kind of classical romantic era composers and pretty much everything that's like well-known music that was written before the 1900s is by men. And often the way that these songs were used was to symbolize things that we socially ascribe value to. So for example, there was Mozart playing while Lex was off killing people. Yeah, I think that was also a Superman reference, the one he appeared in. Okay. So with Lex, you have this association of this 
this particular genre of music with power, literally, and not physically in this particular moment, because this is pre him super serum injecting himself. But you also have this association there with him as someone who's of the social elite, Mm -hmm. which is also a thing I think people more broadly associate with classical music because of the expense involved in learning it, whether it's learning how to play it or going to places where you hear it performed. Mm -hmm. And there's also a connection that the show represents between this genre of music and intelligence, which we see once with Brainy when he's fighting with physics and it's to the tune of this very like lyrical opera music and everything's very detached and like he's floating in the heavens. <laughs> and then with Lex, it seems a little more deliberate in terms of like what Lex values as a person and like the yeah. level of pretension that he carries with him at all times. Oh, yeah. And the way Lena was so derisive of it, like that was definitely part of it. She's like, oh, of course, he would like all those snooty, pretentious things. That's mm-hmm. what he thinks his life is. Yeah. And she's like, clearly, you don't understand Car and I and our love of NSYNC. <laughs> like, how dare you not like Justin Timberlake? <laughs> Lena, he's a generation past you. It's too late. That ship has sailed. <laughs> he will never love InSync. One of the harsh realizations that Lena has had to come to over the years with Lex. He cannot be reached. This is the real reason she lost Lex. She <laughs> could not convince him to give boy bands a chance. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> but that takes us to another interesting choice for Lex. A very conscious music choice in line with Lex's character with My Way, as sung by Frank Sinatra. It played twice, once in episode 16 of season four, and then again in the last episode, and Lex sang along with it. He listened to it within his Lexo suit. I do like that he is the kind of villain who needs a stereo system in his suit for attacking people mm. for his evil schemes. Yeah. And then he's just like live streaming his like Amazon cloud library <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, he's probably his own special cloud, but still. <laughs> yes. And it was interesting. Writer Eric Carrasco tweeted about this music choice, a problematic singer for a problematic man, referring to Frank Sinatra as a problematic person, for and he had episodes of explosive anger. And I have a quote here that says, he lived in daily fear of humiliation and in its often imagined presence, his temper tipped over in an instant, which fits in nicely with who Lex is as a person, as a narcissist who also cannot tolerate any kind of ego hit. And then the other interesting side of this music choice is how typically the song is used in a more positive way. Whereas in this instance, it kind of highlights the downsides of doing what you want despite what everyone else around you thinks, which Lex does constantly. You want to know something funny? Talking about how Frank Sinatra was like really popular. Sure. Bon Jovi references this Frank Sinatra song in one of their songs. (laughs) And who's big Bon Jovi fans? Brainy and Monel. Wow. Amazing. It's a circle. (laughs) It's a circle of song. And I have another sort of interesting quote that I found when I was researching Frank Sinatra's history and the song My Way that says he was and remains an archetypal American man, perhaps the archetypal American man. And so, of course, he did it his way. No one else's way would do, which, you know, in this context, obviously points to, like I said, the downsides of doing it your way. But then also brings to mind Lex's seeming like obsession with America, particularly in his last appearances. He said he was proud to be an 
American and like only in America could the Luthers be in the White House. And, and it's sort of embracing a particular American identity and in Lex's case, an identity which is absent of immigrants. It's kind of the exact opposite of Stronger Together. Yeah, in so many ways. So, so many ways. Yeah, we have Stronger Together and then we have My Way. <laughs> <laughs> my Way or You Die Way. <laughs> yes, that. Literally that. That's what yeah. it is. Uh. And, you know, obviously the proverb Stronger Together is from Kara's culture, which is a more collectivistic culture. And you can kind of make a comparison here between Kara's culture on Krypton versus like American individualism and sort of the downsides of going too far into individualistic territory. Although the show does embrace certain individualistic ideals. For instance, mm-hmm. if you look at Jean's arc and how he decides to be his own man, and he basically decides that it's more important for him to be himself than to hold like sacred cultural information within him. So he risks losing all of that in order to be true to himself. But in this case, obviously with Lex, the my way point of view is like a form of extremism, whereas there tends to be more balance in the way the show promotes individualism versus collectivism. And then obviously we have on the other end of the spectrum in terms of collectivism, Red Daughter, her lifestyle and sort of the erasure of individual wants or the opportunity to form a singular individual identity for herself because she was taught that the needs of the collective trumped anything she could possibly want. And speaking of extremism, you had an observation. I did. Related to that, well before Lex reappears, Manchester Black actually has a very deliberate line where he's denouncing his decision to be on a path of peace and resort to really extreme violence, where he says, I'm gonna do it my way, Mm -hmm. which is a line from the song, which later appears. And it's a very subtle calling your attention to the fact that these are two ends of the same problematic spectrum, mm. which was quite fun to rediscover when I watched the season over again. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yes. And then on the other end, fighting against these two extremes, we have obviously Kara. And the battle between Kara and Lex is obviously reflected in the musical score. And pretty interesting ways. I have a quote here from Blake Neely, who's the head composer for the show. He said, if the scene is heavily from, say, Supergirl's perspective, it may be more theme-heavy for her. If the perspective is more like the villain, then you use the villain's theme. So it was really interesting in scenes with Lex and Supergirl to hear their themes battling, specifically their leitmotifs. What does that mean? Well, Vivi. <laughs> no, I'm curious. I genuinely do not know. <laughs> well, so a motif is a repeating pattern Mm -hmm. within a musical score. And a leitmotif is a repeating pattern that specifically has ideas or characters associated with it. So it's linked to something conceptually versus maybe a motif that just repeats generally and versus a theme, which is a musical piece that contains motifs, but is more like a fully fledged song, you know? Okay. So like, it's not a whole song, but it's like elements of the instrumental music that are meant to make you think of a particular character or Mm -hmm. like an event. Yeah. It's just a few notes, typically. And this is also a German-rooted word. It's not light like lights in the sky. Mm-hmm. Okay. L-E-I-T. For those of you who are working on your like crossword puzzle vocabulary out there. <laughs> yes. 
But it's interesting to see with Supergirl and Lex how in both of their like big fight scenes that we see, both in the first battle when Lex gets powers for the first time and in their final battle in the season finale, how their leitmotifs interact and conflict and rise up as the perspective shift or as one character gets the upper hand in one way or another, like either in dialogue or in a fight over the other. So that's something you can listen for across both of those scenes. But some notable moments are, for instance, we have in the House of L episode when Lex does get his powers. The beginning of the battle starts with a variation of the Luther leitmotif, which we originally heard in scenes with Lena and her relation to the Luther family and the Luther legacy. Now we hear it play for Lex in his battle against Supergirl, signaling that this is his game right now. He has the upper hand. And then toward the end of the fight, Lex's own leitmotif plays, and it's this interesting sort of chaotic sound that often is accompanied by the Luther theme under it, which is interesting. But in this case, it's just his individual leitmotif playing. And when Supergirl asks Lex how he got powers, he says, how do you think I did it? I'm Lex Luthor, as that plays. Lex triumphant moment. (laughs) However, in the quest for peace, the season finale, when Supergirl comes back from the dead, which is interesting because we have the beginning of the scene have a variation of the Supergirl leitmotif, like her main theme that we used to hear at the very beginning of the episode in season one and two. And then when Lex, you know, turns around and asks Supergirl, like, how she's not dead, she says, how do you think I did it? I'm Supergirl. And then her light motif plays as sort of a parallel moment, and she sort of gains the upper hand here. And then it's also interesting, though, when the Luther light motif comes in, Lex is saying how Kara's just like her cousin. No matter how many times I stamp you out, you miraculously resurface with your glossy cape and your perfect hair. <laughs> and so this Luther light motif is playing... It's calling our attention to the sort of feud between the Supers and the Luthers and that history that started with Lex and Superman and that he's calling upon here. It's also cueing us into the fact that A, Lex apparently really wants a cape (laughs) and B, he has for at least a decade been jealous of Clark's hair. (laughs) And now Supergirls. now Kara's. Yes, understandably. (laughs) And Lena's still gloating about the fact that he can't regrow it. <laughs> yes. And speaking of Lena, it's interesting because when Kara activates her anti kryptonite suit, a variation on the Supergirl leitmotif plays in the same register that the Luther leitmotif was in.
which sort of, for me, connects the two. And she says, you can thank your sister for this. So it's sort of an interesting moment of these Super and Luther leitmotifs coming together as Supergirl and Lena Luther work together on something. So important question. Does this happen for any of the other characters? It sure does, Vivi. Oh my God. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited to, I was looking for it. I'm happy to have found it. Something for Jean, his character, linking back to season one and, and sort of coming into season four. He has obviously his theme or his fully fledged song is My Name is Jean Jones, which you could find on the Supergirl season one album for the score. But there's a light motif within that theme, a particular one. There are actually two that I noticed, but this one is linked to his identity. And it functions in a similar way that the light motif from A Hero Emerges that I discussed in our last Sound of Supergirl episode for season three functions as a signifier also for Kara's identity. We see it first in the in the scene when Kara prevents Alex's plane from crashing and she stands up on the wing of the plane and kind of has her like, I am a Supergirl moment and those notes play. And then they play again in the streaky scene in season three, which is kind of a moment that affirms that Kara is Kara Danvers and that element of her life. And then also in season three, in a scene on Argo, when Monel says that you can finally be yourself, Supergirl, and she says not Supergirl, Kara's Zarel. And so kind of these three elements of Kara's identity, the fact that the same leitmotif plays under each of them affirms that they are all who Kara is. For Jean, he interestingly has like a similar journey in season three and four to Car's journey in season three and how it's like identity based and in relation to the loss of his culture and family and then the aspect that is like regaining a piece of that and exploring where exactly both of them fall as individuals and their identity hmm. neat <laughs> and for Jean specifically his identity leitmotif like I said first appeared in the my name is Jean Jones theme in human for a day this is when Jean revealed that he is a green Martian to Alex this is the first time that we find out who he is after it was a mystery for a few episodes. Like sort of breaking down that scene, Jean's eyes glow red and he says, I am the sole survivor of my planet, the last son of Mars. And then this leitmotif begins and as Jean turns toward Alex and shifts into his Martian form, it crescendos really nicely. And so that's a really nice moment of Jean coming out as an alien for the first time in 12 years and how he reveals his identity to Alex. And then he is also revealing his identity to us, the viewers. And this leitmotif is connected to his form, his, his physical form as a green Martian, interestingly, like in episode eight of season two. Oh, when he's accidentally been kind of like cursed to turn into a white Martian when Magan has to try to save him. Yes, he finally is cured of that and he appears in his Martian form again. Thanks, Eliza. <laughs> Eliza. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and it's a like very joyful moment of returning to his true self. Yep. And that leitmotif plays when we see him. And then in a sort of parallel moment, interestingly, we have it appear for another character, Nagan, who reveals herself as a green Martian. She's not actually, but she does have that moment where she shifts into that form. Although it is something that she decides that she identifies with later on, of course. And this parallels Jean's reveal scene. But then also 
also on sort of a deeper level, it is within the context of Jean deciding to go to the alien bar in his Martian form. So sort mm. of symbolically embracing that and then seeing it reflected back at him. And then also on a similarly abstract level concerning identity, the second time the leitmotif appears is in season one in Strange Visitor from Another Planet when Jean is fighting a white Martian. Oh, yeah. And he wants to kill her. And Kara tries to talk him out of it and his leitmotif plays when she starts to say i lost everything everyone it makes a hole in your heart but you can't fall into it you have to fill it you have to fight don't throw away who you are if you do that thing wins the last son of mars dies even if you're still standing and this obviously links to who jean is on that abstract level but it also links to jean's journey concerning nonviolence and where he stands in that sense and who he is and the choices he wants to make as a person and that takes us to season four in which jean is struggling with ahimsa and whether or not he's a man of peace versus Martian Manhunter and what the Martian Manhunter means is that an intrinsically violent being and what he projects a version of his father in his mind and is talking with him and, and arguing with him about what Jean should do and who he should be the light motif begins to play He says, I am not a man of peace, and if that means I have to give up the symbols and Martian religion has to die, then so be it. At least I will know who I am. And Marin says, and who are you? And he says, I am the Martian Manhunter. And his eyes glow red, which, of course, calls back to I am Jean Jones. Yeah. And those glowing eyes, <laughs> fittingly. The eyes is a visual motif, interestingly, that calls back to season one when we didn't know who Jean was. And the sight of the red eyes was like sort of a threatening thing. And we had like a backing score of like eeriness. <laughs> but it shifted into becoming a positive thing, signaling moments that are identity affirming for Jean, as began in the scene when he came out to Alex. Yes. So uh, speaking of Alex, we're going to take that positive note, ha-ha pun, <laughs> and uh, turn it down a little. <laughs> Another pun. Because we have to talk about the sad part of the season and how that affects Space Fam on a character level and also a score level because there were some interesting things that happened musically in 410 Suspicious Minds that come up again to some extent later in the season, but that also kind of emphasize some of these things we've been talking about with the way Kara's music is employed and the sounds we associate with Jean and stuff like that. Mm hmm. 410 was a convenient episode choice in terms of comparing the score usage for each of the characters because the space fam, Jean-Cara and Alex, share a scene and, and we kind of hear all the different types of sounds we associate with them. Yeah. So, for example, after the whole fiasco in the DEO with capturing the Morai, Kara saves Colonel Haley and instead of expressing gratitude, Haley starts threatening her. And as... Colonel Haley is kind of metaphorically tightening the noose and saying that Kara Danvers' life is over. You hear Kara's Supergirl motif that we associate with her and how she identifies with herself in the background, but it's sad and it's slowed down. <laughs> Because they've been trying so hard to protect Kara's identity this whole time, and all of a sudden, both Kara and Alex are being confronted with this reality that they have failed at that, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how Supergirl's leitmotif is present in that scene, and then... 
there's a moment of your favorite emotion, hope, because as Haley's making all these threats and the moment she starts implying that she could put Kara's family in danger and making Kara feel guilty about that, Alex punches her in the face. It was awesome. And actually related to that, she has this hilarious little what I call like a victory beat in the score, there's this really deliberate little string moment after she finishes her dialogue and they're kind of staring at Haley's unconscious body. And as far as the series has been concerned, it's hard to say if there is a particular sound associated with Alex. So it was cool to see something in that particular moment that sounded very distinct from Kara's stuff or from like Danvers sisters as a unit. Mm -hmm. And then to tie this all together with our space fam being united around this problem of, of Haley knowing who Kara is, the girls call Jean in and as they're discussing what to do and he agrees to erase Colonel Haley's memories even though that goes against his values on this path of peace when he agrees to do it and starts moving his hands to erase the memories you hear this short line of sounds that we tend to associate with Jean as Martian Manhunter mm -hmm. yeah it has the same like tone and, and register and sounds like the same instruments that we hear in Jean's My Name is Jean Jones theme as well as the appearance of his leitmotif in other instances So it's definitely like a sound quality type thing that we associate with this character coming in in his triumphant space dad moment. Yeah. Well, and the other reason that that was kind of fascinating to me is that the core issue of this episode is the identity of all three of these characters and how they are affected by each other. And within a very short span of time within the episode, you also get that interplay musically of how all three of their different kinds of sounds come in and out around each other. Mm. And then the episode concludes, like from a score standpoint, with specifically Danvers Sisters related sounds. So we'll talk about this further because Cycles is going to make this sad moment even sadder in a second. But even going all the way back to the pilot to their very first scene where they interact in Kara's apartment when they're kind of just chit-chatting and then saying goodbye to each other, there's been this association of piano specifically with the Danvers Sisters as a unit. And that's very present in that final scene of Suspicious Minds, where they're in Jean's office explaining what they have to do in order to get past the truth seeker. And the way the piano is employed there is it's these very sparsely distributed chords. And there's really no other instruments until the very end of the conversation. But this chord progression comes up again in 421. So we hear it right before Alex has her memories of Kara as Supergirl erased. And then the next time we hear it is after she gets them back 
which was very cool. Mm-hmm. Specifically when Kara has died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is horrible. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you can definitely draw a very bleak line from that decision that Alex made to <laughs> this result and sort of Alex's attempt to protect Kara. Well, in a way, it's kind of interesting in the sense of like Kara in 410 feels like her world is ending a little bit because she's feeling like she's mm. going to lose Alex in some way. And then you have that happening in the reverse yes. in 421. The other thing that's really fascinating, and I loved the way they set this up in 410 with the piano, is that the notes are slowly spaced out and there's this really clever use of the the pedal to suspend the notes mm-hmm. and increase the dramatic tension within the scene because the music pauses anytime a character who isn't Kara or Alex is speaking within the scene, but you hear that like lingering last sound of the piano music until one of them starts to talk again. And specifically, this happens in the moments after Kara's like, no, can't we find some other solution? Isn't there something else we can do? So it's Kara coming to the realization that no, there is no other choice. So it's almost like her hope that there's another solution is kind of hanging in the air until everyone else has their say. And Alex turns to her and says, no, this is what we have to do. And that's when the music starts moving on again, just to break your heart a little further. (laughs) Yes. And we will also talk about hope in relation to the use of music in the episode 421 in relation to the death scene. Yeah, which you had a lot of thoughts on. So if you'd like to share. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to discuss what's in my heart. I yield my time to the senator from <laughs> from Sadville. Um, <laughs> yes, when looking at leitmotifs, it's most interesting for me to look at scenes that are very climactic because they're obviously the most likely moments for the composer to decide like to really play up a certain theme and have like climactic musical moments as well. So I turned my eye to the fight scene between Supergirl and Red Daughter in episode 21 of season four, Red Dawn, when Alex rolls up essentially and look at all of the musical elements that are at play. For instance, right when Alex arrives on the scene, a new kind of battle music starts up, which sort of signifies that the dynamic of the scene has shifted because of Alex's presence. And then when Alex sort of runs over to the battle and has this literal flashback because it's triggered by the flash of Red Daughter's powers, there's this sudden sort of light piano repetition. Which you can recognize from the A Hero Emerges full theme, not referring to the leitmotif that I discussed before, but at the very beginning of the song. It's from the music that we all will definitely recognize from the pilot episode, right? Yes. This happens when Kara sees Alex's plane falling in the sky and starts to run and tries to fly, which is something that she hadn't done for years, which is relevant based on how they use the music in present time. But this is a Supergirl moment that is fully driven by Kara's love for Alex. And we hear this during these flashbacks, and they are moments like roasting marshmallows with her heat vision and making snow with her freeze breath when Kara is using her powers for Alex, sort of linking these two concepts. And... 
in the third flashback, we hear the same leitmotif during their sort of impromptu trustful when (laughs) Kara claps. It's like the baby version of the sonic clap that she does in the Mm -hmm. season three crossover. Yes. And they start to fall off a cliff. (laughs) For the second time in only a few months. Um. (laughs) Yeah. But this is a continuation of the flashback that Alex had at the beginning of the episode. But it's when Kara saves Alex with her powers. Yeah. And it's interesting because this leitmotif plays during this flashback in sort of a lower piano and the beginning of the Supergirl leitmotif plays, the one that I referenced in the discussion about Lex and Supergirl from the full Supergirl theme. It sort of starts to play in that flashback when Kara saves her and then it follows Alex into the present as she's looking at Supergirl in front of her of linking the memory to the person. And then it continues to play and another flashback appears of adult Kara as Supergirl saving Alex in the Exodus episode when Alex was about to shoot off into space and Kara had to push the ship with her hands. Yeah. And then we see more like sort of assorted Supergirl-Alex relationship scenes. And then we see Kara's first save as Supergirl, that same plane scene that we first heard the leitmotif from. And it lingers on this a little bit longer and sort of emphasizes it. Well, because it's important to a thing Kara said earlier in the season. It sure is. And that sort of brings us to the last flash that Alex gets, which is Alex saying, let me save you this time. And this serves to remind Alex what she did, erased her memories. But it also calls back to Kara's comment during that conversation. She said, the whole reason I became Supergirl, it was to save you. So essentially in, in this scene, the fusion of that leitmotif that plays during her first flight to save Alex and the Supergirl leitmotif links Kara's use of her powers and her eventual role as Supergirl to her love of Alex. And obviously this provides the piece of the puzzle missing from Supergirl's origin story, according to Alex. Yeah, and that's really cool because of something Jean says to Alex back in season three when he's dealing with Marin and his loss of his memories. He mentions, and this is also a a real thing that psychology has found as well, that music can be a thing that helps you pull out memories that you may have otherwise lost or been unable to find. And it's serving that same function for us as an audience. As Alex is regaining her memories, it's cueing us into the fact that that's what's happening. Go back to the leitmotif. The moment obviously provides that puzzle piece, but it also kind of affirms the reciprocity within the Danvers sisters relationship Mm -hmm. and the fact that they save each other. You know, the last flashback that Alex sees is her saying, let me save you. And that's what she's going to do now in this very scene. Yes. Alex remembers, says Kara, and then it cuts to Red Daughter and there's this immediate battle music playing again. It really emphasizes that there's this present danger to Kara. (laughs) Like Alex has been having all this stuff happening in her mind to this other lovely soundtrack. And then we're like, and there's fighting happening all around you. Well, yeah, (laughs) there's this lovely music that is backing the concept of them helping each other and like Mm -hmm. how they love each other and that they save each other and do things for each other. And then it really shocks us into the present and how Alex has to save her right now because that's what they do as sisters. Yeah. And it also symbolically does a really nice job of conveying how you can get so wrapped up in your own head that you do lose touch with like what's happening (laughs) around you momentarily (sighs) and then you know alex runs to her obviously and then the next sort of interesting thing that the music does in this scene is when red daughter (laughs) throws alex away harsh (laughs) and there's actually this really interesting like really chaotic like awful sounding trumpet music that (laughs) 
happens. <laughs> That's terrible. But it, it really works in the scene, actually. Like, it, it sounds terrible, but like in a way that reminds you that this is kind of terrible. Car's about to die. <laughs> like high stakes, bad things are happening. Yeah, in like a kind of horrifying way. And then, you know, the music sort of stops and, and you hear just Car's heartbeat and then you don't hear anything. There's a bit of silence. I'm making evil laugh emoji because my immediate thought was the scene in Hamilton where Philip dies <laughs> when she's counting and then it's just the beats mm. and then it's dead silence. Nice. <laughs> but it comes back, the sad music plays and the next really interesting thing is when these sort of soft strings begin to kind of sadly play the Supergirl leitmotif. And Alex is saying, she's okay, she's going to be fine. She's giving that like little section of her monologue and talks about how there's sunlight in everything. There's sunlight in the grass. And it's interesting because the Supergirl leitmotif represents a lot of things because they play it a lot. Obviously, it represents Supergirl herself. She appears and it'll play. And in this instance, it's sad because obviously this is Supergirl's theme and she's dead. And it represents Supergirl's powers in conjunction with Alex because of that previously mm -hmm. mentioned concept. But now it's sort of lacking that. The momentum of like the piano that kind of has that propelling beat to it. Yeah. It doesn't have that light motif that represents Cars end of like, let me save Alex. And then also the Supergirl light motif plays in relation to Supergirl's ideals. So quite frequently, hope. Your, your favorite word to say. Hope. <laughs> and that aspect is interesting, obviously, because it's playing over Alex's words. And she has a little bit of hope here in relation to sunlight in the grass. And the leitmotif, as she begins to sort of become more desperate and then begins to lose hope, it fades off and, and the notes descend. In a really nice way. <laughs> well, in a nice way from a technical standpoint of how they put it together. A technical and like emotional. Yeah, it's like emotionally satisfying, but it's sad. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, obviously we have this other music that comes in and it's very fairy tale esque Because that whole scene looks like a cross between Beauty and the Beast and Tangled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's just sort of like one example of a single sequence and their use of music and, and how much thought and effort goes into the score and how deeply they think about the associated themes and concepts. So their score usage was as interesting and well done in season four as it was in season three. Yeah, it's really cool how consistent the score use is. And it's definitely in large part because you've got, you know, a music director who's overseeing all those choices and knows the full like library of all the different motifs and the themes for different characters and how to mix them together and pull from maybe sounds that were in some of the older Superman movies or the Supergirl movie, things like that. Yeah, it pays to have somebody whose job is primarily that. Well, and it also, that's part of why it's so important to actually have someone who's actively composing music that goes with your show. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that many shows invest in or invest in consistently over a period of many years. So that part's really cool. Yeah. But kind of to comment contrast with that, because we did look at the music of the show last year and then we're doing it again this year, it was really interesting to see the way the soundtrack choices were employed differently from last season to this season. And those are where like the writer's room has a bit more decision-making power over what songs maybe will get used or ones that they suggest and see if they can get the rights to. Mm -hmm. Like last year when they lobbied hard for Bon Jovi. 
<laughs> but season three, as we kind of talked about, was more of a character-driven season than season four. And that was actually reflected in the soundtrack choices mm-hmm. a lot. Looking back at it in season three, the characters were more actively engaging with the music. There were a number of moments where there were soundtrack choices, so songs with words playing in the episode because a character actively decided to play the song or sing along to the song. Like Kara's amazing Britney Spears moment on Mars or Jean having the rock and roll playing in his car when he scolds Kara for messing up the leather. <laughs> Kara and Alex on their road trip having their sing-along. Monel and Brainy jamming out to Bon Jovi while they're flying their spaceship. <laughs> the whole karaoke bar episode. There's even Jean is playing records when he's having dinner with Marin and Alex. A lot of the soundtrack choices last season were character-driven and they told us things about how the characters were feeling or reflected their emotions yeah. in very kind of insightful ways. This season, the music was really a lot more literal in the sense that the lyrics were basically retelling us the other emotional content or the plot that was happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. And the characters, for the most part, were not active agents in making those choices. It was just kind of background music over maybe a montage of scenes of different characters or like an extended scene of one character. The only character who ever actively engages with any of the music this whole season is Lex. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice in itself mm. as the person who's been pulling the strings the whole season. Yeah. But I did think that was interesting just in the sense that it was such a noticeable difference and there were some changes over in the writer's room and I know they definitely lost one person who was like a very passionate music person. Yeah. So. Well, it'll be interesting to see in season five because they've mentioned it being more driven by the relationships between the characters. Therefore, it might be more character driven and I wonder if the music choice will reflect that. Yeah, that would be kind of cool mm-hmm. to see kind of how it stacks up and if that kind of fluctuates back and forth year to year the way some of the focus of the story <laughs> tends to bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. But yes, we have a bunch of things we're kind of keeping an eye out for as far as the music of season five is concerned. The first thing is, as I had mentioned earlier, seeing if they start to incorporate more of like the feminist aspect of the show in terms of making choices to use songs that are like written by women, sung by women, covered by women. Another thing I would really like to see, particularly now that they have multiple LGBT characters, is supporting actual queer artists and either having characters who identify with those labels, you know, listening to music by artists who identify with those labels, because that's the thing that we do, (laughs) Uh, or just having it in the background casually as just kind of mainstream music and not making a big thing out of it. Yeah. That would sort of accomplish a few things, which is like, obviously, the characters interacting with it, like you were mentioning, and it reflecting something about them. And then also something that you've talked about before is on our wish list of things we'd like to see, like more queer culture present in the show. Just generally. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would like to see in terms of music is a broader diversity in terms of musical artists and genres. Mm. I mean, obviously, genres got to go with your characters and with your story. But within that, there is room to pick not just like default white dude songs. Mm-hmm. And for a show that that has worked so hard to kind of diversify behind the scenes in terms of directing, writing and all of that, it would be nice to also see that reflected on this level of even like the soundtrack yeah. choices. It's one of those things that like if it's on their radar, I feel like they try to do it. It just has to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and then in like a meta sense, something else to look for is the usage of leitmotifs in terms of both Nia and Brainy's themes and their leitmotifs that we've heard on the show before. I don't presently have... A 
a ton of meta regarding it because we had, for instance, with like Jean and Cara and the Danvers sisters four seasons to accumulate context for the different music choices and, and the way to sort of figure out what a leitmotif is trying to do is to listen to it in various contexts. So it's something to look for in season five because we will presumably hear some of these again. Yeah, I was saying I'm curious to see if we'll get a more distinct use of brainies or more clarity on how it's used because they have teased that we're going to get more background on him and possibly villains tied to him because there's this emphasis on technology and then the stuff with the crossover coming. Mm. So that could be cool. I still can't believe there is not a dedicated Alex one. I'd have to listen. Like, that kind of surprises me. It's after four seasons. Like, <laughs> I don't know if she has one in the same sense that we're like, if Kara pops up somewhere as Supergirl, you hear her Supergirl theme. Yeah. But she probably has some leitmotifs, like, associated with certain things. Some of the leitmotifs are more subtle than others, like Jean I had to listen for. Yeah. So that's something that you listeners can also listen for. <laughs> yeah. Get your thinking ears out. <laughs> And then, like you mentioned, the possibility of villains linked to Brainy. We'll probably hear themes and leitmotifs in relation to the villains that we see in season five. I'm sure Leviathan will have some kind of like sinister music to go with it. Yes. It might be what was playing in the short scene that we got of them. But like I said, we can't know until we hear it repeated because <laughs> motifs are repeated. Yeah, you can't have one unless you hear it multiple times. Yes. <laughs> and then an interesting thing to look for also in terms of like battling leitmotifs is maybe we'll hear Lex's theme or leitmotif reappear in the crossover and we might hear it sort of battle against Clark's this time. Yeah, that could be cool. Mm -hmm. So that was the last of our like official structured summer hiatus episodes. We do have one more left, but this is a special one. It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of like last year, our final summer episode, we asked the listeners, you guys, to uh, give us your questions or requests for some things that we could talk about. And so we decided we wanted to do that again, but with a twist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to be doing fake meta or silly meta based on your prompts. So any silly burning questions that you have about a character in Supergirl, a plot point, (laughs) a random object, a relationship dynamic, a piece of set dressing, Mm -hmm. like where did Jean get all his fedoras from? Or why does he not drink hot chocolate in honor of his father? Uh, Does he feel emotionally sad when he sees hot chocolate now? Or does Brainy have like a mini encyclopedia of win that he references whenever he thinks Alex is sad? Mm. Uh, Anything that you think we'll be able to bounce off of, even if it's like abstract or really simple. Like discuss Kara's relationship with food. (laughs) Yes. Or (laughs) Alex's relationship with punk music. Just kind of silly stuff. And you probably won't get many serious answers, but you might get a little bit of insight. We'll see what happens. But every single one of these answers will be 100% true, (laughs) accurate, and drawn from Mm -hmm. evidence in the show because obviously all of these things were carefully chosen and explained by the people who created them. How was that be? Yes. Nothing ever happens by accident when you write or tell a story ever. What happens in Noonan's? (laughs) (gasps) What does happen in Noonan's? What happened to it? Did it disappear? Did that waitress ever realize that Kara was really an alien? (laughs) Clearly she worked for Leviathan and <laughs> this is an example. This is an example. There you go. 
<laughs> so if you have ideas for silly Supergirl-related things you'd like us to talk about on our final episode before the show comes back on for Season 5, you can send them to us at Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram, or even our email, which you can find on our website, at Supergirl's Attic. And we look forward to reading your submissions. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening. 